From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Can we just bow our heads one more time as we just pray and and get into the word? Father, we just thank you um, for for today. We bless this day in your name. And we just ask, God, as we open up the scriptures, as we open up the word, Lord, as I've already prayed, would you speak to our hearts? Lord, help us to not just be hearers, but doers, God. Help us to be people who put into practice what we hear today, God, what you have for us in the name of Jesus. God, let us leave here transformed by the spirit in this place. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, "Amen." Well, I hope I hope you were uh, you were here last week, because Pastor Mitch brought a word last week, and by here I mean you watched. You weren't physically here, but I hope that you watched because that was a message. That was a word for us. Um, I was away, but I watched it, and I I was hit by it. I was so encouraged by it. My question for you is, if you tuned in, is what are you doing with it? Because you can't hear a word like that and not do something about it. We can't just be hearers of a word like that. Faith is verified by action, right? True transformation happens and leads to acting upon the word that is released in our hearts. Um, if you missed it, you need to go back and, and listen to that, to that message. It was a, it's a good, good word. Um, today, we're not going to get back into the book of Mark. I'm going to save that for next week. Um, but today, I want to I give you a message or bring you a word today that's been kind of percolating in my mind and in my spirit for a little bit. It's probably about three or four months overdue. Um, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of a State of the Union address today, a little bit of a State of the Union. Um, COVID-19 has radically changed our lives these past six months. As you can look around, it's changed our lives, right? We have, we have these. <laughs> we carry these everywhere we go, right? Uh, a lot of us have, have our jobs have shifted, our, our family life has shifted, and many of us are asking, when's it going to go back to normal? When's this going to end? Is it ever going to change? There's new regulations in place everywhere, new guidelines. You can't enter a store, a restaurant, your workplace without following these new, new guidelines. Um, many of you haven't seen family or the way you re- interact with your family is different. The way you interact with your grandkids, with your parents, it's different. It's hard. And I don't know if you're, if you're like this, but it can kind of feel like we're trapped a little bit. It can kind of feel like we're, we're trapped. Anybody there? Anyone ever feel trapped? Maybe you feel like your freedom has been taken a little bit of a, away. Like as you follow these guidelines. And listen, we all got opinions about it, right? You have different opinions about it. I have different opinions. It's not about the opinions. It's just about that sense of everything has shifted. Culture has shifted. And my question for us today is what do we do and how does a follower of Jesus act and live when culture has shifted? Do we just go with the flow? Because that's easy, right? Do we disengage, right? Do we disengage and avoid? Do we just acquiesce and accept everything? Do we fight and let our voices be heard? Do we, do we judge? How can we remain anchored to our faith when the culture change threatens to take us away? There's a, there's a few places we can go with this today, but my main, my main idea for you is this is knowing and establishing our identity in our heavenly home positions us to respond and be as followers of Jesus. Knowing and establishing our identity, keyword, in our heavenly home positions us to respond and act as we should. If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. 
We're going to start at verse 17, but I want to, I want to focus specifically on 20. You can turn in your, your app there. If you're online, you can turn in, turn in a, a Bible there, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 17. This is Paul talking. He says this. He says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I have often told you before, and now I tell you again with tears. So he's feeling this, church. He's feeling this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Notice that he doesn't say many are enemies of the cross of Christ. He says many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Can I just let you know that COVID-19 is still an earthly thing? But, verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. But our citizenship is in heaven. I like how another translation put it. It says, but we are colony of heaven on earth. Kind of makes me think like an ant colony working and moving together for the good of the, the colony. So this is a letter from Paul, the apostle, to the church in the New Testament in Philippi. Um, what I love about the New Testament is the New Testament tells the story of Jesus' life, but also the, the beginnings of the early church. You know, we start with the four Gospels. The four Gospels are four different perspectives of the life and ministry of Jesus. If we were to give four different um, directors a subject, the, the four different Gospels would be their cinematic take on, on the subject and life of Jesus, okay? If you're into, if you're into long documentaries, you're kind of like, I'm going to binge watch on Netflix long, extended documentaries. Then you want to check out Matthew because Matthew begins with this very long genealogy that's explaining to the Jewish audience that Jesus is the, is the culmination of all the Old Testament prophets. If you're into sci-fi, you know, you really like sci-fi movies, then you want to check out Luke because Luke is a doctor. And he always explains the intricacies and details of Jesus' miracles. Things that medicine can't do, miracles can do. That's why it's called miraculous, okay? If you're into action-packed movies, you're into action shows, you want to hang out in Mark because Mark is all about the action of Jesus, right? That's why we've been hanging out Mark. You want to stay in Mark. If you're into the love stories, you like romantic movies, right? You're into that kind of thing. You want to hang out in the book of John because John is a love story about Jesus. John tells us intricacies and details about the life of Jesus that none of the other gospels do. Who else but John would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. From there in the New Testament, we have, we have letters that are written to different people, different followers of Jesus, churches regarding situations and circumstances from apostles on what it means to live as people of faith. I love the New Testament. And here in Paul, in this letter to the church in Philippi, is writing to this church. This church was in, uh, Philippi was in the northeastern um, town on a hill in the, in the place of Greece. And Philippi was a Roman colony. 
Its citizens uh, were Roman citizens, and they enjoyed the privileges of being a Roman citizen. And Paul is writing to this colony, this Roman colony in Greece, to the followers of Jesus Christ there, and saying, but you are citizens of heaven. He's writing to a Roman citizenship, a Roman colony, a church there, and he's saying, you, but you are different. You are citizens of heaven. I don't know if you know this, but I wasn't, I wasn't born in Canada. I was born in England. I moved here at the ripe old age of two years old. Actually, the second day. I moved here. We flew on a plane, got landed, and the second day was my birthday. I turned two years old. We were landed immigrants for the next 13 years of my life. I didn't become a Canadian citizen until I was 15 years old. And I remember as a 15, or as a, as a young kid and as a young teenager, I remembering that, that being a landed immigrant didn't mean much at all. It didn't impact my life except for when I wanted to travel across the border. Because for some reason, a British passport and a Canadian accent don't mix very well, right? I remember going on a missions trip to Monterey, Mexico with my, my mom, my sister, and there was 40 of us from a couple different churches. And we traveled for 48 hours. We drove on a bus through Canada, through the U.S., all the way to Mexico and Monterey, Mexico. And the only time we seemed to have issues when traveling was when we were crossing the border from Canada to the U.S. and from the U.S. to Mexico because this five-foot little British woman and her two adorable teenagers were apparently stowaways on this trip with a bunch of Canadians. We were landed immigrants. I didn't think much about being a landed immigrant until I was crossing the border. In fact, much of my life remained the same, except in my home, my dad liked to remind me often where I came from. He liked to remind me often that I was English, that I played football and not soccer, that England, although small in ge geography, was a mighty force to be reckoned with. That, that fish and chips are the best. That liver is a delicacy. I, I still don't believe that one. I don't think liver is something that we probably should eat. You know, if you're into that sort of thing, I'll pray for you. He, he reminded me often that, that it's called a kitchen roll and not paper towel, that it's a sweeping brush and not a broom, and that most importantly, my name was Call and not Carol. My dad wanted to remind me and remind our family that we were from somewhere else, that although we were a part of this country, we were actually from another country, and we need to be mindful of that. And that is what Paul is doing to this church in Philippi. He's reminding them that they are part of a different kingdom. And that's something that I want to do this morning because I think that's helpful and knowing how to live and act as followers of Jesus when the culture shifts. Knowing and establishing our identity in our heavenly home positions us to respond and be as we should. I want you to know that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've been transformed by the word of God, by the work of Jesus in your life, that the Holy Spirit has worked in you and changed you as somebody who's been transformed by God, that you no longer belong here, which is a weird message to hear in church, right? You don't belong. You belong. You, you, can't, you belong here, okay? You belong to this church. Let me put it this way. As a citizen of heaven, your citizenship, your nation is not from around here, but it resides in a heavenly place. In other words, you're just passing through. This is an extended layover. This is a stop on, on to your 
on your way to your eternal destination. And because of that, how you live, how you act, what you do, what you don't do, needs to be a reflection of where your citizenship is held. Have you ever traveled to another country or another culture, maybe on vacation, and everyone kind of looks around at you, and they, and they say, you're not from around here, are you? And then maybe you look around and you, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm not from around here. And not necessarily in a bad way. Sometimes just traveling and being in a different culture, you just, you just don't fit in. You just don't, you don't mix, not necessarily in a bad way. But Paul is telling here, this church, that there's a distinction between being citizens of heaven, being followers of Jesus, and those who are not. There's a difference. Not an arrogant separation, not an us versus them mentality. That's not what he's saying. Not, not a condescending difference, but the manner in which we conduct ourselves needs to reflect who and where we belong. Something we tell our boys often when they behave poorly is you're a Patterson and we don't act like that. Now that doesn't always go well because <laughs> they're kids. <laughs> But we want, we, want, we want people to look at them and know who they belong to, not just based off their appearance. Right now, I wonder, I, I'm like, I, they're not my kids sometimes. Right? I'm like, that's not my kid. I didn't raise them that way. They're young. you got to give them grace. People today in this time in COVID-19 will learn about Jesus, about who Jesus is by how you live your life, not by what you say about him, not by what I say about him. Not by what the church says about him. But you as a citizen of heaven, you reflect that citizenship. Let's just ask, ask ourselves some questions about Jesus. Is Jesus arrogant? Is Jesus selfish? Is Jesus a racist? Is Jesus condescending? Is he a separatist? Does Jesus give in to his human desire the bible says that he was tempted in every way but did not sin is jesus worldly can you just can you just humor me for a second can you just think of some countries that are very close by to us that are known the country is known by how the citizens act you know what i'm talking about i'm not going to say it because this is online <laughs> someone might be tuning in from one of those places but we know about that country based on the citizens in fact, a lot of times when you travel somewhere, you, get to, you fall in love with the, with the country, not because of, of just the culture, but the people, because they reflect something. We're not from around here. So Paul says, follow my example and keep your eyes on people who live as we do. In other places, he says, follow me as I follow Christ, because our citizenship is in heaven, and our behavior needs to reflect that. Especially, can I say this? Especially in a crisis, especially in a culture shift. So Paul wrote this letter, Philippians chapter 3, and said this while he's under house arrest. Paul is, is writing to this church and he's urging them to remember who they belong to while he's under lockdown. He, and that's not because of an, an unknown virus breakout. That's not because the, the authorities wanted to keep people safe from something they knew very little about. He's under lockdown because he was preaching about Jesus. 
He's awaiting trial. And while he's awaiting trial, he's trying to remind these people, this church, that you don't belong here. You are belong to somewhere else. You are citizens of heaven. That has a little bit more weight when you know that the author who's writing that is in jail. He's not saying, guys, you don't want to go where I am. Just, just go with the flow. Do what they say. Come on. He's saying, but you are citizens of heaven while he's under lockdown. How you act in hardship reflects your heart citizenship. Do you know a fruit of the Spirit? Can I just say this? A fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of spending time with the Spirit of God is peace, is self-control. Are we reflecting the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Maybe that's a telltale sign that we haven't spent much time during COVID-19 with the author of our faith. Maybe that's a telltale sign how we're acting our behavior on how much time we're actually spending in the presence of God. I know a lot of people, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, yesterday, about how Christians, how people in the name of religion and the name of God have, have committed atrocities because God said. But a fruit, I reminded them, a fruit, the spirit, it's love, it's patience. Are we patient? Kindness, goodness. That's not something you just do. That comes out of you when you spend time in the presence of God. We are citizens of heaven. Now, Paul is saying this as a Roman citizen. Paul was a Roman citizen. He had Roman uh, rights as a citizen, just like we have rights as Canadians. Roman citizenship in the first century time was a, was a privilege and a prized possession. And Paul was a Roman citizen by birth, and he used it to, to his advantage in many ways. He used his citizenship to protect him from a vigilante mob in Acts chapter 22. He had the right to appeal a trial to, Z to Caesar when he was arrested in Acts chapter 25. He used it to gain release from being detained in Acts chapter 16. Other rights of a Roman citizen were exemption from military service, the right to hold political office, to inherit property, con to contract a marriage under Roman law, protection while traveling throughout the Roman Empire, and the right to be exempted from certain types of punishment. And Paul did not, did not hesitate to use his citizenship when it was advantageous for him to do so. He even tells believers who are living under Roman rule to obey Roman rule. He tells them to be good citizens to the ruling authority, but only as a tool and not an identity marker. It was only as a way to advance his mission and to share the love of God. It was used as a way of carrying out his calling. For Paul, listen to this, he was a follower of Jesus first. He was a Roman citizen second. He, he, that means that he was, as a citizen of another country, Paul, of another kingdom, Paul saw himself as an ambassador from that kingdom to this world. He saw himself as an emissary from that kingdom to this world. He was a representative of God. And that means that how he represents God, how he lives his life needs to reflect that. And so he conducted himself that way. You know, we need to be good citizens of heaven 
or sorry, we need to be good citizens of Canada. We need to be, we need to be a good citizen, but while being good representatives of God. And sometimes I feel like as the church across our nation, we are better at being Canadian citizens than we are at being representatives of God. We're more likely to represent Canada than we are to represent God. Can I just say that being a good citizen, being kind and, and nice, you know Canadians are known for that, Canadians are known for being kind. Being a good citizen does not mean that you are representing Jesus. Although a fruit of the Spirit is, is goodness, kindness, gentleness, that is a fruit from spending time in the, in the Spirit of God. That does not mean just because you have those things that you are representing God. There is an identifiable marker of someone who represents Jesus, and it's a spirit thing. It happens in the crucible of personal time in the presence of God. How do you distinguish between a nice Canadian and a representative of God? Because I meet a lot, I, I got lots of neighbors that are very kind people. I got some neighbors that look more like Jesus, look more like a Christian than I feel I do. How do you distinguish between a citizen of this, of this nation and a representative of God? It is a spiritual thing. The more time we spend in the presence of God, the more time we spend in the spirit, we begin to exhibit and exude spiritual behavior in our everyday life. David said this, he says, I daily set the Lord before me. I daily set the Lord before me. It's not that he positioned God where he wanted. It's that he recognized that God was everywhere and he wanted to align his life, his eyes, his heart with God right in his foreview. So he daily set the Lord before him. And that daily meet with God was really what enabled David to be the greatest king. And you and me, when we daily meet with God, that's going to enable us to, to represent him as citizens of heaven. Oh, Pastor Call, this is pretty hard hitting when we're outside for our first outdoor service, our first gathering. Well, if I only got one time to preach where well, you're going to listen, I can't guarantee you're watching the online. You might turn it on and be like, I'm just going to turn this on. And so the pastor thinks I'm there. I'm going to say hello at the beginning, and then I'm going to go do my thing. I'm just going to leave it running. That might be you, but you're here right now. So I got to give a State of the Union address because I don't know how long COVID's going to last. But I do know that regardless of what happens in our nation, whether it's two months from now, six months from now, ten years from now, that we are citizens of heaven, and we reflect that. And if we don't, are we true? Do you know there was a time in my life as a landed immigrant, I'm a, I'm a British citizen and I'm not a Canadian, but I felt more like a Canadian than a British citizen. I acted and I lived and I looked like a Canadian more than I did a Brit. I sound like a Canadian. I don't sound British. I don't sound English. <laughs> Most people, when I said, I'm, I'm, I'm from England, I'm, I'm English. They'd be like, well, where's your accent? Uh, I moved here when I was two. Sometimes I feel like we're more, we're more like that. We, we look like the culture more than we look like our heavenly dwelling. As citizens, we have a responsibility to represent him who created, dwells, and comes from heaven. And he has a name, and his name is Jesus. Why did the crowds flock to Jesus when he walked this earth? What drew them to Jesus? 
He came from heaven to earth. And listen, he didn't come on vacation. He came on assignment. He was passing through with a purpose. And while he was here, his life, his action, his ministry reflected something heavenly. Am I right? The apostle Peter has something to say about this as well. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, he says this. He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. Or another version says, as temporary residents, as aliens and strangers. I urge you as foreigners and exiles. In other words, don't consider yourself locals. To abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I like how the message translation says, not a translation, it's actually a paraphrase of the English translation. It says this, says, friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourself cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. Listen, I'm not telling you that we shouldn't be. I love being Canadian. I love being Canadian. I'm proud of being Canadian. I celebrate Canada. I'm thankful that I live. I'm thankful that my parents decided when we were young to move to this beautiful nation. I'm not saying that. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be proud of that and we shouldn't hold to that. I'm saying we need to remember that our citizenship is somewhere higher first. You know, when I think of the word exile, I think of the Old Testament scriptures and the people of Israel when God's people, the Israelites, were taken into captivity from the Babylonian Empire. About 600 years before Jesus was born, the entire southern nation, kingdom Judah, was taken into captivity. Uh, and there was a guy among those, those people named Daniel. You'll remember Daniel from such stories as Daniel in the Lion's Den. Remember that story? You probably had the pop-up picture book when you were a kid. Or maybe you didn't. You can get one now. And as an adult, you'd probably still enjoy it. Do you know sometimes the, the clearest explanation of the scriptures are in children's books? If you're like, man, I have a hard time understanding this, get yourself a children's Bible and just open it up and just take in the faith of a child. Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was around 17 years old, scholars place him at, when he was taken into captivity. And Daniel, now as a faith-filled, God-fearing, devout Jew from Israel, was serving and living in another nation, Babylon, under another rule, Babylonian rule. And Daniel teaches us a few things about what it means to be a citizen of another nation while living in a nation that is not your own. And I'm going to fly through these fairly quickly just for time's sake, so I need, you to be, I need you to get ready, okay? The first thing that we learn about Daniel while being in Babylon is Daniel wasn't willing to compromise his standards. Daniel wasn't willing to compromise his standards. In chapter 1, the king wanted some choice Israelites to come into his kingdom and serve him. And he was going to train them for three years. And while they, while they were going to serve him, he was going to give them king food, kingly food. He's going to give them food right from his table. But that meant that for Daniel, he would have to go against the laws of, 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 of Moses, regarding, Moses regarding food. So Daniel, it says, resolved not to defile himself. He resolved not to defile himself. He wasn't about to let a change in culture shift his moral framework. Can I remind you that our culture is shifting? 
And if you've missed it, at least in Canada, sometimes we follow so much what's happening in the American news that we miss that Canada has left the Christian value and moral framework long ago. Long ago. We track along with the Bible Belt and America, and we think that's where we're at as a, as a Canadian nation, but we are not. We are not there. So Daniel, even though he's living in another nation, wasn't allowed to let, let the culture change shift his moral framework. It's so easy for us as followers of Jesus living in this culture to give in to the desire of our human nature and go with the flow. In your office, right, your workplace, among friends, maybe at the restaurant, at the bar, Maybe on Facebook while you're commenting, you see something and then you feel like there's a barrier. Did you know on Facebook is a lot more public than a conversation outside of social networking? It's easy. Some way, somehow, you will face the pressure. You will be negatively influenced. But like Daniel, we need to resolve. Here's the key, guys. We need to resolve ahead of time that we will not give in and we will not forfeit and we will hold to the truth of God's word. We must determine before we go to work that today I will stand by the scriptures and what is acceptable in the sight of God. We need to determine before we enter into that, that relationship, before we, before we meet with that group, that today I'm going to stand by God's word. If, if pleasing God and living according to his will is truly important to us, we need to decide ahead of time. Because it's really hard when you face the pressure, and you will face the pressure so Daniel resolved, wasn't willing to compromise his standards. Secondly, as Daniel used his influence to further God's kingdom. So the king had a dream, and he gathered all his wise men, right? He, gets, he wants to get his wise men in here. He's like, come on, I had this dream. Somebody interpret this dream, and none of them could interpret the dream. They didn't even pretend to interpret the dream. And then the king got really upset, and he was going to execute them all. Daniel, this, this young guy, caught wind of this, and he says, don't execute them, take me to the king. God will interpret his dream. And then God uses Daniel to interpret the dream. And when Daniel used his influence to impact the king, this is what the king said. He said he declared, praise God, and he declared that God was the God of gods. So God, using Daniel to influence the culture, made the culture praise and adore God. Every day we are influenced by so many people around us. But every day we have the, the option and we have the ability to influence those around us. Maybe it's the waiter when you're at the restaurant. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's the grocery store clerk. I don't know. Maybe it is someone on Facebook and, and Instagram or whatever your social network is of choice. We have the ability to influence people, the people that we come in contact with. We can influence for the kingdom of God. And it starts with this. You ready for it? It starts with reflecting your citizenship. It's not always about what you say. It's about how you live your life. And just being a good person doesn't reflect the citizenship. Because we live in a good nation full of a lot of good people doing a lot of good things, sometimes better than us. David had something to offer the king, to influence the king that nobody else had. He had the power of God. He had the spirit of God working through his life. You have something to offer the culture that the culture cannot bring to itself. Being a good neighbor is not it. It's the presence of God on your life. 
If people can't tell Christians apart from others, then we're missing a major step. Do you know what the problem is? Is people know Christians for the wrong reasons. People know about Christians for the wrong reasons. It's like my conversation I had with this person yesterday, rifling off thing after thing after thing, all the wrong reasons. And I was like, listen, I agree with you. Yeah, that happened. And that's terrible. But that does not reflect Jesus. We're citizens of heaven. You know, if that's true, people should want the presence that's on our lives. Right? People should, people should come in contact with us and be like, man, I want what they have. I don't know what it is, but I want it. There's something about that person. I need that. Number three is God was the center of Daniel's life. Even when he was taken into exile, when living in a different culture, living under the authority that he didn't agree with, God was the center of David's life. Every day, part of David's routine was to kneel down three times a day and pray. Now, that was the reason that got him thrown into the lion's den, if you didn't know, was, was being obedient and willing to exercise prayer life. There was nothing more important, though, to Daniel than God. And his ability to stand by his convictions, to use his influence, and what we'll see in a moment, was because he knelt down before the presence of God in prayer. Some of us are like, man, how do I, how do I reflect Jesus? It's not something you put on. It's not clothing you put on for the day. I'm going to put on my Jesus clothes today. You know, open up your closet. Be like, okay, there's reflecting Jesus. It's a nice neon shirt. You know, someone's going to know about Jesus today. That's not what it's about. It's not about putting on those pants. You're like, man, this just looks like something Jesus would want me to wear today. And someone's going to see this and think, man, I got to get me some of that guy. No, that's not what, that's not what it said. It's not putting something on. It's just something that comes out of you. When you spend time in the presence of God, David was able to influence. David was, was able to stand by his convictions because God was the center of his life. The depth of our prayer life reveals the level of awareness we have of the spirit of God in our lives. The depth of our prayer life strengthens us in the spirit to live for God in our lives. You know, God doesn't call us to have him as an aspect of, of our lives. He calls us to be the center of our lives. And when our lives do, we experience the fullness of all that he has. And my last point, I'm going to invite Pastor Mitch to come up. Last thing here is Daniel didn't waver when hardship arose. Daniel didn't waver when hardship arose. See, the locals didn't like Daniel very much. The other wise men, the other, the other leaders, because the new king was very fond of Daniel. In fact, it says that Daniel so distinguished himself among all of the wise men there that the king had set it in his mind to set Daniel up above all the rest. So knowing Daniel prayed to God, these others, these other locals, these other wise men convinced the king to make a law that no one could worship any other god but the king. And if they did, they'd be thrown in the lion's den. Now, that's considerably different than the government advising us not to sing indoors. That's, that's considerably different. You know, it's one thing when, when, when the authorities tell us to be mindful of spreading a virus. It's another thing when they say you can't worship your God. And we can still worship. So Daniel was aware of this law. And what's he do? 
He knows that, that the lion's den awaits anybody who will worship any other god but the king. And what does Daniel do? He gets down, and he kneels, and he prays. And he gets down, and he kneels, and he prays. And listen, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't being arrogant about it. He's not like going on street corners and saying, watch me pray, everybody. Just in, in his own life. But they knew he did. They didn't like it, and so they caught him, and they threw him in the lion's den. Ultimately, when hardship arose, though, Daniel's faith didn't waver. His faith stood the test. Can I just say that we're in a season where our faith is being tested? I feel like I'm, having a, I'm, I'm saying this a lot later to different people, that faith isn't really faith until you need faith, right? It's easy to say we got faith when everything's good. It's easy to say, man, I believe. I got faith in God when everything's going dandy. Did I just say dandy? It's easy. Faith is faith when you actually need faith. When you're in the trial, when you're in the difficulty, when you've lost your job, when you can't see your family, when your health is at risk. Faith is faith when you need faith. That's when it becomes faith. And right now we're in the position of allowing our faith to be tested. Can I ask you, is your faith standing strong? Is your faith still standing? We are citizens of heaven. And if we intentionally and resolutely keep God our main focus, the hardships that come will not waver our faith. So let me bring this back. Culture shifted. And it's shifting. And it's going to continue to shift. And even when this is over, culture is going to shift. And can I just tell you that even Jesus points to the fact that in the end of times, it's going to get worse. And if you look at Matthew 24, when Jesus talks about the signs of the ends of times, he says something that I think that's just, this is really interesting and it jumps out at me every time. He says, this is just the beginning of the birth pains. And what he describes in that chapter is significantly worse than what we're experiencing. It's going to shift. It's going to get worse. Culture is probably not, I don't even like saying this, probably not going to all bow down before the Lord and say, come on, let's just follow Jesus. We're not going to have a government that says we are a Christian nation. We're not. So what do you do? As a follower of Jesus, you recognize that you are not a Roman citizen. You're not Canadian citizen first. But like Paul, you say we are citizens of heaven. But our citizenship is in heaven. So regardless of what happens, doesn't matter because that's my home. That's where I belong and I'm passing through. And while I'm here, I'm gonna represent my God. I'm gonna represent my King because did you know that our mandate for coming into the family of God is open to everybody. Anybody can become a citizen of heaven. We're not exclusive like that. We're not saying you can't come based on who you are. We're saying everybody can come. Jesus said he came to die, what? For the sins of the whole world, not just a select few. Everybody can be a part of the family of God. Anybody can be a citizen of heaven. So what do we do when culture shifts? Will we go with the flow, disengage and avoid? Will we judge and condemn? Will we acquiesce and accept everything that comes? Will we make our voices heard? Knowing, catch this, can you just look at me for a second? If you're online, it's one idea. Knowing 
and establishing our identity in our heavenly home positions us to respond as we should and be as we should, followers of Jesus. Knowing that and establishing our identity in that. Yes, we're Canadian. I'm proud of that, but we are followers of Jesus first. We're followers of Jesus. I saw someone post this on their Instagram account within the last week. A lot of people will say they're followers of Jesus, but we don't do the following so well. <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus. Do you know to be a disciple, to be a follower of something, meant that your life reflected that teaching, that, 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 that teaching that a rabbi would teach. You would say, I'm followers of so-and-so, I'm follower of so-and-so. When we say I'm follower of Jesus, our life reflects that. And it's not just about being a nice person. It's not just about being good, even though a fruit of the Spirit, there's good in there. It's a spirit thing. So would you bow your heads with me? Would you close your eyes? I just want to pray for us. And could we commit in this moment just to recommitting ourselves as citizens of heaven, remembering and establishing our identity in our heavenly home? You know, maybe you're here, you're watching online, Maybe you're even in the, in, the, in the field here and you've never really committed your life to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You've never identified yourself as a sinner in need of his saving grace, but he died for you. He loves you. He's offering forgiveness to you. And maybe today, right now, is your moment to give your life to Jesus. But it's as simple as saying, I'm a sinner. I need you. Forgive my sin. Come into my life and help me to live for you. If that's your moment, you can pray that right now. It's a heart thing. God will hear your heart. But for all of us, can we just recommit to, to committing and establishing our identity as a citizen and a follower of Jesus first? So, Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to worship in this space. We give you praise and we give you glory, but we recognize, Lord, that the culture has shifted and is shifting and will continue to shift. Lord, and while we will use and we're thankful for our nation, God, and we continue to pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, would you just influence Canada for, for your kingdom's sake, God? Would you just extend your love? Would you extend your grace, Father God? Will you allow the gospel message that Jesus came, that he died, that he rose again for the sin and salvation of people, Father God? Would you allow that message to spread in the name of Jesus? Would you influence our government in the name of Jesus? Would you influence, Father God, our political leaders, God, the authorities? Would you influence our workplaces, God? Would you influence our everyday lives across this? God, help us to be a good citizen of Canada. I'm grateful for Canada. But, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, would you help us to recognize that we are first a follower of Jesus, that we are first citizens of heaven. And because of that, our life should reflect it. So give us the strength. Holy Spirit, would you empower us? And would you lead us into your presence daily, as David said, I daily set, set the Lord before me. Would you lead us into your presence daily that we could represent you well? Because it comes from something, Lord, in your presence, not from a behavior we put on. We love you, Lord. We commit ourselves once again to you. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said... Come on, everybody said? Amen. Listen, church, it's good to be together, eh? I don't want it to end. Can we just start again?
Can we just, we'll just start again, right? We'll just do this all over again. I got another thing I could bring. It's good to be together. I'm thankful we're assembled. I don't know when we're going to be able to do this again. Hopefully we can do this again. I don't know when we're going to be meeting the building. I don't know. But what I do know is we're still meeting online every week. We still assemble together. Let's not neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing the scriptures say, right? Let us remember that we are citizens of heaven. For if you're here and maybe you need this, maybe you're online, you need this, your next step, what is your next step? You know, go to weareparkway.com slash next steps. Maybe it's just letting us know you commit your life to Jesus. Maybe it's partnership. You want to be a partner of Parkway. Maybe it's baptism. We'll figure it out. I don't know how we'll do it, but we'll figure it out, right? Whatever your next step is, go to next steps right there on our website. Listen, if you're here today, God bless you. God keep you. You have a great week. Make sure you're mindful of social distancing on your way out. Give somebody a wave and a nice smile. And let your presence, let the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in your life represent Jesus in your daily life. Amen? God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.